Very good. Well, this morning, I'm going to talk about something uh, perhaps a little bit different. Okay, This came to me uh, this week, and then I couldn't decide if I was going to going to uh, uh, talk about it uh, or not, but I thought, hey, why not? It's nothing bad, it's just, uh, or controversial, uh, but just something different. So, uh, you know, we're talking about Ecclesiastes uh, last night. And by the way, uh, Henry sent me a, a, a text uh, last night, it was very kind of him, he took some pictures and sent them to me, and then he just said, by the way, you know, you might want to share this with, with people, and I, and I will. Of course, you could, but oh, since I'm standing here, I'll just do it. Right? That many years ago, in, when you were uh, an executive, um, you know, in your uh, previous career, a senior executive contacted Henry uh, from an out-of-state hotel where he was uh, suicidal. And uh, uh, Henry says here, God gave me nothing but sections of Kohelet, of Ecclesiastes to share with him. Isn't that interesting? Right? And then it says, the next morning, he said, the next morning I read his email response, those words saved my life. So Ecclesiastes is a very significant book in the, in the Bible. Uh, and uh, by the way, um, uh, coming attractions is going to be an MSI uh, course on Ecclesiastes. And uh, so it's just a very interesting, very interesting book. So I wanted to turn to another place in it. Now, I'm reading this because remember what it's saying. It's reminding us, you know, of the uh, transient nature of this life uh, and uh, that uh, as Messiah followers, we should not simply look at our lives horizontally, you know, like everybody else, right? So in chapter 12... I'm just going to read a couple of verses at the beginning of the chapter. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near when you will say, I have no delight in them. Before the sun, the light, the moon, and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. What day is that? In the day that the watchman of the house trembles and mighty men stoop, the grinding ones stand idle because they are few, and those who look through windows grow dim, and the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low, and one will arise at the sound of the bird, and all the daughters of the song will, will sing softly. Furthermore, men are afraid of a high place and of terrors on the road. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags himself along, and the caperberry is ineffective. For man goes to his eternal home while mourners go about in the street. Now, I guess a, a couple more verses. Remember him before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed. The pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Okay, those words are words you're hardly ever going to hear from a pulpit somewhere. Okay. Because what he is basically saying is, while you're young, you know, remember your creator, right? When you're young, you, uh, you know, you're full of uh, hubris and full of uh, energy and indestructible. And so you're not going to think much about the creator. Keep going. But the day is going to come when it starts to wind down and we go back to the dust, right? Uh, and, uh, and again, I remember, again, we always have to remember that, uh, you know, when he's writing this, he's saying, this is what you see. This is what's under the sun. This is what's under the sun. Uh, and uh, this is certainly, uh, you know, when, when you look around in, in our world, uh, let's face it, uh, in our culture, especially in, the, in this culture, and in lots of places around the world, that when you get a little older, you seem to have less value, uh, you know, and less to offer uh, in the uh, in the world in which you live, uh, and um, uh, and so when we think about the sukkah, you know, we usually uh, usually in one sentence or maybe two sentences, I might say, and it's kind of like our bodies, you know, uh, that, that decay. And I thought to myself, you know, it would be, I think, a helpful thing on Sukkot 
to talk about that, to talk about the frailty not just of life in general, but the frailty of life and the way it's perceived and what we think about it as we get older. Now, we ourselves uh, uh, often talk about, talk about aging in a, in a negative way. Think about what we say here, right? Now, we don't mean to, certainly, because we're talking, we're not talking about aging. We're actually just talking about li- the life of a Beth Messiah congregation. We, uh, we might say, uh, you know, uh, we, uh, we need younger people, which we do, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> we need uh, younger leadership, which, which we do. Uh, we need some sparks at the top with, you know, new creativity and, and vigor and vitality and to say, yeah, let's do this and let's do that, you know, and that, that kind of thing. Uh, yes, uh, we do. But that does not mean uh, it's a negative uh, because it isn't. Uh, certainly in the scriptures and, and in our lives and, and uh, I mean, you know, in our own personal uh, walk with the Lord, it certainly, uh, it certainly isn't. Uh, uh, and so I thought this morning we would talk a little bit about it uh, and about the positive aspects uh, of it and, and uh, good things for us to remember as we remember the sukkah. About 20 or 25 years ago, uh, Rich Nickel, whom most of us know, gave a significant message at a conference, a UMJC conference. I will say it was one of the most significant messages I ever heard at, at a conference. And it had a title. This had to be 20 to 25 years ago. Okay? It's called The Graying of the Union. It's called, what's what he called? The Graying of the Union. He, he's very good with uh, oratory skills. <laughs> and uh, um, it was about, and it was really the first time we really like thought about it, that wow, you know, uh, uh, we're 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 getting older. <laughs> you know, how could this be? That's not supposed to happen, uh, right? Uh, and uh, and I'll never forget that because you know, I, I think that it spoke to uh, uh, many of us about this idea uh, of uh, aging. Now, in the Bible, there's lots of wonderful verses uh, about. Uh, about aging, right? Uh, and so uh, when you look at the Bible and you look at scriptures, it's a little different than how we tend to view aging ourselves, okay? So for example, in, uh, in Psalm 92, I'm not going to read them all, but just some. In Psalm 92, toward the end of the end of it, it says, the righteous man, beginning in verse 12, the righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness uh, in him. You know, and so here he says, the righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. Uh, and then he likens it unto, you know, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still yield fruit uh, in old age. Uh, and so here is a great verse that describes uh, that um, uh, as, we, uh, as we walk with the Lord and as we continue in our lives, uh, there is uh, indeed uh, a yielding of fruit, uh, good things. I um, certainly uh, a, um, a something to be uh, uh, in in certain respects looking forward to. Right? It certainly goes against the grain of uh, of uh, how we view uh, aging. Right? I uh, we read, uh, for example, also. Uh, in uh, in Proverbs, uh, there's a couple of uh, very interesting verses. Now, in the Bible, gray hair is synonymous with getting older, okay, uh, and with wisdom, right? So, uh, in uh, Proverbs, 
uh, chapter, well, we'll stay in chapter 16, in verse 31. It says, A gray head is a crown of glory. It is found in the way of righteousness. Okay? Uh, in chapter 20 of uh, Proverbs, in verse 29, The glory of young men is their strength, and the glory of old men is their gray hair. Right? And of course, that all has to do uh, with, uh, with wisdom, with gaining wisdom, with being uh, sagacious, you know, um, with uh, uh, experience teaching us and, and so on. Uh, and so uh, I thought it might be uh, uh, really um, hopefully encouraging to look at uh, some scriptures that teach us how we should really, how we ourselves, uh, can appreciate that. And there's a passage in the New Covenant, one passage that really uh, speaks to it. So we want to turn there, and it's in 2 Corinthians, in the New Covenant. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Chapter 4 and 5. Okay. And it's interesting because I, I would suggest that in this passage... Paul might be even thinking about the sukkah uh, when he's uh, writing writing these words, uh, and it's something that I think that um, we, uh, you know, something for us to hopefully be encouraged by because uh, it can be discouraging. I don't know, maybe, maybe not, but hopefully helpful to us, right? Okay, and especially as I look around the room. <laughs> It's it's a good audience, uh, <laughs> you know. If you know what I mean, I'm not going to ask like I do uh, sometimes in a congregational meeting. Uh, you know, stand if you're under fifty. You know what I mean. <laughs> but um, but hopefully it's encouraging for us, no matter how old we are. Uh, and you know, it's sort of just uh, a way of looking at life, no matter uh, no matter what our age, no matter uh, what our age might be. Okay. All right, so there's something about 2 Corinthians that uh, is helpful for us to understand. Paul wrote this when he was uh, old, older. This is probably the last letter that he wrote, okay? And uh, when you read it, you read it's very personal. He writes a lot of personal things about himself in, in this letter. And it is very interesting because his, his view, his perspective has changed in certain respects, from his earlier letters. In his earlier letters, he is sure that he's going to be alive when the Lord returns. He says it in 1 Thessalonians, right? The dead in Messiah die first, then we who are alive will be gathered together with him. Paul was, was younger. Uh, he was, uh, you know, thinking, it, it, you know what it really reminds me of? It reminds me very much of the era of the time period when me and many other people came to uh, uh, know Messiah. That there was no thought of like growing old or older, whatever. It was, okay, the Messiah is going to return. We, we need to make sure we're telling as many people uh, 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 about Yeshua as possible uh, because, uh, you know, I'm looking at my watch. The days are drawing near and... The world is getting darker and darker, uh, you know, and uh, and this is it, uh, and uh, and that was you know his pers his perspective, and what it, it tells us something that even Paul did not view life as like just like the same from one age to the next. His perspective changed as he grew older, and so here in Second Corinthians he's talking about dying. He's talking about dying. And now he writes about dying before the Lord comes. I would suggest the world's situation had not changed very much in that 20 to 25 year period. It had not, you know, it wasn't like now it's a lot darker, now it's worse, uh, you, you know? No, it's just the case that, that he was, he was getting older and his perspective had changed, uh, on, uh, you know, uh, on, on living and on life. Okay. So uh, in chapter 4, we really need to read a, a portion of this. He says, um, we do, in the beginning of the chapter, he says, we, 
Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness or adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving, that they might not see the light of the gospel, the glory of Messiah, who is the image of God. So given the fact that lots of people are not paying attention to him, given the fact that, uh, you know, uh, God has given him this mystery, uh, given him this ministry, he doesn't lose heart because he knows what his calling is, he knows who he is, regardless of how people are receiving the message. Then he says, For we do not preach ourselves, but Messiah Yeshua as Lord, and ourselves to you uh, as bondservants for Messiah's sake. For God, who said, Light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of Messiah in the face of um, the glory of God in the face of Messiah. So again, he's saying here, I know who I am. Okay, so I don't lose heart. I know who I am. I, it, light shines out of darkness. Light is in me. And so I shine in, in, in the darkness. So I don't lose heart. Then he says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the surpassing greatness of the power may be of God and not from ourselves. So he says here, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Earthen vessels means bodies that, bodies that hurt sometimes or bodies uh, that uh, get damaged or, or deteriorate and, 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 and so on. Uh, now, uh, he's not making some kind of distinction between body and soul or body and soul and spirit or anything like that. Uh, he is simply saying that in his life, he doesn't lose heart no matter what he looks like. And no matter what he feels like, he doesn't lose heart because he knows who he is. He doesn't lose heart because his value, his passion, is not simply horizontal. Okay, He doesn't view death as like, okay, that's the finish line, and so I'm like winding down or something. Okay, Then he says, We're afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not despairing. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Yeshua. The, the life of Yeshua, uh, all, that the life of Yeshua may also be manifested in our body. For we are constantly being delivered over to death for Yeshua's sake, that the life of, of Yeshua may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us, but life in you. Okay, so now he's, if we go down a little farther, he says, he repeats, we do not lose heart. He said it in the first verse, and so now he says it again. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. For a momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory, far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, it's too bad that that's, there's a chapter ending, because his thought... It simply continues. It's not the end of anything. Okay, but so but we can look there and say, okay, he does not lose heart. He has a, a perspective on life. It's not that he's saying what's inside that my outside is simply a container, and what's inside is is real. He is one human being, and what he's actually saying is, in one way, that the the uh, decaying of the outer is, in a certain respect, enhancing the growth of the inner. And, and that, you know, he, he, is, he is one human being and that, uh, and that the, the difficulty that he's experiencing, and he relates the difficulty to what happens, you know, 
to, to his body and the different things going on here, uh, that it doesn't deter him because while that is a part of his body, it is bringing out uh, this uh, uh, you know, inner strength uh, that, that he might not have had otherwise. That's why he's going to say farther on in chapter 11 and 12, uh, he's going to talk about when he's weak, that's when he's strong. It's one long thought, all these chapters. <laughs> okay, That when he is weak, that's when he's strong. That the, that his his outs the outside of his body is uh, in a difficult state, okay. Uh, but that is making more so the growth of what's inside, all right. Uh, and so we uh, we might look at ourselves and say, "I'm not the person I used to be. I don't." have the strength that I used to have, or the vitality. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, I don't know. But, uh, but as time goes on, I, you know, it, it can become kind of uh, difficult for us. Sometimes, um, as uh, I, we get old, uh, older chronologically, we don't realize what I, you know, what I said in a previous message, that really life we experience more in a circle. Then we do chronologically, yes. Uh, you, you know, uh, time is unrelenting. There's nothing we can do about that. Nothing we can do about that. But we grow oftentimes in, in more in a circle as we come around different times of year and different opportunities that hopefully we are, uh, uh, you know, uh, continuing uh, to grow uh, in, our, in, in our lives. Now, you know, we can, um, even as uh, believers in Yeshua, we can kind of be sucked into looking at life, uh, you know, as, uh, well, it's not as good as it used to be, everything is bad, and, uh, you, you know, um, uh, I wish it was uh, 30 years ago, or 40 years ago, or I, I wish that my life was different, and and uh, as we continue to focus on things horizontally, it robs us, you know, of what is available to us in, inwardly. Uh, and, uh, and how important it is for us to have the right uh, focus. Because the more that we simply look horizontally and we just kind of be like the writer of Ecclesiastes uh, observing under the sun... After a while, we forget what's on the other side of it. After a while, we, we forget about what, what is an abundant uh, life or being filled with the, with the Spirit of God or experiencing joy and patience and satisfaction you know, in our lives. I, I, we need to pay attention to what Paul is saying about himself here. All right. So in verses 17 and 18, of course, he says, For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. Notice the affliction is producing an eternal weight of glory. The affliction, so we could say, whatever our afflictions may be, if we have the right perspective, produces a weight of glory. Rather than, oh man, this is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> right, or whatever we might think or however we might think about ourselves, uh, or how we look, or how we physically feel, or anything. That, you know, if we have the right perspective, we can say, what is God doing? Is God at work? What is God doing now, uh, you, know, uh, in, uh, you know, in my life? Momentary light affliction, producing an eternal weight of glory. How? While we look at the things which are while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things that, that are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know? And, uh, and, and again, so it's our vision, what we're focused on, what we're thinking about. He says, for we know, now you see, now chapter 5 is absolutely important in understanding what he's saying here. For we know that if the earthly tent, which it, which is our house, is torn down, we have a building from God not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. 
For indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Inasmuch as we, having put it on, shall not be found naked. For indeed, while we are in this tent, we groan, being burdened, because we do not want to be unclothed, but to be clothed in order that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now he who prepared us for this very purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a pledge. Therefore, always being of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight, we are of good courage, I say, and prepare rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. Therefore, also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. And so it's interesting, he says, he refers to his, the, our bodies as an earthly tent, right? So that is a, the a equivalent of sukkah, our earthly sukkah, right? So here, right there in the Brit Chadashah, Paul uses the sukkah as the, as the temporary flimsy structure of our own self, of our own uh, uh, body, okay? But it's not a bad thing. The sukkah is not a bad thing. The body's not a bad thing. You know, this is not some kind of platonic uh, kind of teaching to escape, uh, you, you know, the, the, the body. Not at all. But it has its purpose. It has its purpose in getting older, you see. Uh, and, uh, and so he says here, we know that if it's, you know, that we have a building from God that this is not all there is. He says it in other places, but here he kind of uses Sukkot as the example. You know, this is not all there is. This It's not just this life is not all there is. This body is not all there is. My life and who I am, this is not all there is. There is indeed a future. And may I suggest that the older we get, the more that future becomes really important to us. And remembering it. And knowing it. And uh, to uh, you know, and not to see, as our culture would tell us, that the older you get, the less useful you are, and the less uh, needed you are, uh, um, you know, in our in the society. To Paul, the the fact is is that as as our bodies decay inwardly, we are being more and more renewed, uh, uh, as he says here. And notice, uh, by the way, if you go back to verse 16, he says, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day, constantly. Not just some kind of theological statement about renewal, but in a practical, real-time kind of way, constantly being renewed. But our focus has to be, you know, in the right, uh, in the right place. And so, uh, now, in this chapter, he's talking about resurrection. Paul is not thinking, I'll tell you what he's not thinking about. Because we, we look for an answer to a question, we look for, we try to answer a question that this passage is not answering sometimes. And that is, what happens to us in between the time that we die and the resurrection of the body? He's not answering that question. He is just, he just knows that the day is going to come when he's going to have a new body. He's not thinking in terms of how long will that be or what about time. or He's not thinking about that. He's just thinking about that if I don't have this body, I'm going to get a new body, you know? Uh, and, and I'm going to live forever. And why would I not want to be there, you know? In fact, he says, I, I can't decide if I should stay or I should go, right? And he says, I'm going to stay for your sake. That is how sure he is of it. And what it does, having that assurance makes him all the more vital now. See? Uh, and, um, and so how important it is. Now he says here, he who prepared us for this very thing. In other words, the goal is that life. The goal is the resurrection. He prepared us for that. He is indeed preparing us even now for that. We don't stop being prepared. We don't stop uh, being people who uh, are focused on Yeshua and growing uh, in our walk with God. We don't stop. We don't stop ever. Okay? 
So then he says, Therefore, being always of good courage, and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith and not by sight, we are of good courage, rather preferring rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. And then here is such an important verse. Therefore, also, we have as our ambition, always, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to Him. He doesn't stop having an ambition to be pleasing to God. It is never too late, uh, you know, to grow uh, in our uh, walk with God. Now, when we have that attitude, just as Paul did, it makes us, uh, as I said, vital, but not just, well, I'm going to continue to grow. Yes, I'll continue to grow in the Lord until I die. But may I suggest there's a lot of things to do as we, uh, as we age, whatever that age, whatever that age may be. We're familiar with different scriptures. For example, one is, uh, Deuteronomy 32. And you say, Deuteronomy 32? Well, in our Torah study, we talked about this on Shabbat afternoon. Spent some time talking about this. In, uh, verse 7. Remember the days of old, consider the years of all generations. Ask your father, and he will inform you, your elders, and they will tell you. And so what we talked about in the Torah study is the importance of pouring ourselves into younger people, that this is vital, that the reason that the text talks about gray hair is like a crown on your head and so on, is because you become sagacious. You become, we become, you become people of wisdom. You don't, we may not realize it, but life experience brings wisdom. Even if, you know, uh, you have, so to speak, a checkered past. The fact is, right now, you, you've come to the Lord and what all that past has given you is a wealth of wisdom to share with others. And what I suggested in the Torah study is let's not wait till people ask. Let's offer it to people. And I'm not talking just about Bible study here. I'm not just talking about, uh, uh, you know, learning verses from the Bible. Uh, yes, there is that. But what there also is, is just yourself. Just yourself. I don't know if you've ever thought about it. This, this could be a very, um, it, it could be kind of a scary thing. To say, I'm gonna, I'm going to see if one of the young people in our congregation might be interested in just having lunch with me sometime, you know? And, and, uh, you'd be surprised. As I've shared with, with some, I, uh, from time to time will meet with teenagers, middle school kids and teenagers in our congregation. And of course, it's very intimidating for me. And what am I gonna say that's gonna be interesting or of any value? you know, to a culture that I bear, that I, that, you know, I'm not sure I even understand, right? So I talk about things. I, I you know, I, I say things. And I, I know that I'm like the principal. So you have an advantage over me. I'm like the principal. I'm like, you know, anything that uh, uh, someone will say is like they're thinking, what is the right answer? <laughs> what, what does he want to hear? <laughs> you know? Uh, and, uh, uh, and that's all fine and dandy, whatever. I talk about my own life experiences. But the feedback that I have received is, wow, he took the time to meet with me. Just the fact of reaching out was significant in and of itself, you know? And uh, perhaps, you know, you have a hobby and uh, you, uh, you know, you show it to someone. Just talk about things interesting in your life or engage in that kind of thing. I always like to say fishing, you know, or, or whatever you, uh, you do as a hobby. Invite someone to go participate, uh, you know, with you. And the fact, it's, it's your deportment. It's how you conduct yourself. It's just how you, they're watching, you know, and we could say they're always watching. Young, younger people are always watching, always watching, always. Uh, and, but, uh, you know, when we have an opportunity individually or to a group or just know that younger people are around and watching, we pour ourselves into them. And that is a significant 
thing to do. That is no small thing. That is a, a very important task. We read in uh, Paul's letters to Timothy about, about older men and women to, uh, you know, to pour yourself into younger men and women, uh, and, and, uh, those kinds of things. But there's more. You know, in Psalm 90, uh, you know the verse. Uh, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we might present to you a heart of wisdom. That's Psalm 90, verse 11, right? Basically, what that is saying, it doesn't mean check off the days until the end. Teach us to number our days. Like, okay, there's a hundred left or something. That's not what it means. It means make every day count. That's what it means. Make every day count. We like to use uh, the terminology here, be a lifelong learner. You know, uh, uh, when... Uh, Gary and Abnett died, and I um, officiated at his uh, at his funeral. I talked about him being a lifelong learner, and uh, I don't have it in front of me now. I should have thought about it, but I, I looked up, and you can do this: Google lifelong learner definition. It is really very interesting. Uh, it, it, you know, it's like a thing, you know, that people have written on. And talking about it, it's not just like a catchphrase about taking more classes. Uh, it really, it's a way of life. It is a way of living uh, to be a lifelong learner, to not just be settled in, like I'm kind of at the end of the road and now I'm kind of coasting. You know, let's see what's on me TV today or something. You know what I mean? But uh, I, I really learning something new uh, every day. I'll tell you, my wife Janet is... Uh, uh, I can't, uh, I watch my wife read books. I could get in trouble for this, but I'm going to say it. And uh, I'm a slow reader. I'm slow. I'm slow. But Janet, I mean, reading, 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 learning something new. It's, it's always, it, it is, um, you know, very, uh, very good. Always learning. Uh, you know, always, uh, always uh, uh, growing. Uh, and and no matter how we feel, and no matter what may be happening in our lives, no matter what regrets or remorse we may have about the past, or you know maybe we're worried uh, about uh, uh, the future, right where we are, just like with the sukkah, you know, let us not l- look at it and react in a negative way, but let's think on things that are right and good. Let's ask, what is God doing in my life now? And, uh, you know, and may we be invigorated just as our ancestors did living in the desert. They had to, they were discipled by God to trust in Him more and more. And so may I challenge all of us to trust in Him more and more and, uh, you know, and recognize the gem that each person is and the great value that each person has, uh, with life experiences with walking with the Lord, uh, you know, and what we can learn from one another. You know, uh, Leroy White uh, and uh, and Betty Betty Smith. Uh, you know, you always have to be careful not to change those last names. It's like a, some people have done that here. But uh, Leroy White and Betty Smith, two people who were quite sagacious uh, in their last years. You you know. Uh, and uh, people whom uh, we love. Well, as Karen shared uh, uh, at the uh, Yiskor, how much uh, the, the women that, that really spent a lot of time in, in Betty's last years um, uh, in uh, listening to her, whether it be reminisce or getting through things in her own life and so on, there's so much to be gained. Leroy White. Uh, I, I mean, um, I will tell you uh, that I gained, uh, and we all did, many of us did, gain much from him in his later years uh, of, of wisdom through adversity, through trial, through great difficulty. These people are diamonds. And now they're, they've, some people like to use the word transition. They died, but they're alive. Uh, and, and, uh, and I will tell you, that if you're worried about, well, do we, when do I get the resurrection? I'll just say what, what Paul said. It was good enough for him. It's good enough for us. To be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And whatever present with the Lord means, it's really good. Okay? It's really good. All right? 
So I just wanted to finish up with one last thing. So I read an article about retiring, about retirement, retirement. And the name of the article is called Why Retirement is a Flawed Concept. Okay, It's really very good because we live in that you reach a certain age, you're done. And now it's like extra time or, or, or something. That's in our heads. It's in our, it's sort of in our DNA, the way we uh, have been raised and think and, and, and so on. So I'm just going to read a portion of this article. Bear with me, okay? Uh, it begins with, every day there's another article about how all of our retirements are doomed. Public pension promises in the U.S. vastly exceed their ability to pay. We now need $400,000 at age 65 just to cover health care costs, right? Retirement itself increases uh, your risk of depression by 40% and uh, and, and all other different kinds of statistics, okay? Uh, For many of us, it's startling to feel that the light at the end of the tunnel of life has been blocked by a triple bolted steel door, okay? Uh, Who's to blame for this mess? (laughs) The Germans, (laughs) <laughs> I guess. Yes, back in 1889, a German chancellor, Otto von Bismarck, invented the idea of retirement, establishing the concept for the rest of us. And then there's a quote. Those who are disabled from work by age and invalidity have a well-grounded claim to care from the state, he said at that time. He wanted to address high youth unemployment by paying those 70 and older to leave the workforce. And, uh, and other countries followed suit with retirement ages around 65 to 70. He said, well, there's a big difference between then and now. Uh, you know, people live, uh, uh, live a long time, uh, and the entire concept of retirement feels a little flimsy uh, at best. So what are we to do short of working the rest of our days uh, away? So now he, uh, he talks about a study that was done of uh, people in Okinawa, right? Who you know f- uh, probably from uh, reading articles or hearing about it have uh, are known for living a very lo- uh, living to a very old age. Okay, so he says uh, to get to the root of the issue, let's look past the North American shorelines all the way to the beautiful sandy islands of Okinawa. Okay. Uh, and uh, so he talks about this researcher from a National Geographic studying why Okinawans live so long. Well, among other things, and you, you, this is what we've heard, Okinawans eat uh, off of smaller plates, stop eating when they're 80% full, and have a beautiful setup wherein they're, they're put into social groups as babies to slowly grow old together. But... They also have an outlook on life that is very different from those in the West. While we think of retirement as the golden age of golf greens and cottage docks, guess what they call retirement in Okinawa? They don't. There is no word for retirement, uh, you know, in uh, their uh, language. They don't even have a word for it. Literally, nothing in their language describes the concept of stopping work completely. Instead, one of the healthiest societies in the world has a word, ikigai, which roughly translates to the reason you wake up in the morning. And you need to have this ikigai. You need to have this reason to wake up in the morning. It's the thing that drives you most. So then he talks about a study in uh, Japan. Uh, uh, taking into consideration age, gender, education, body mass, cigarette use, alcohol consumption, exercise, employment, stress, and, and, uh, and so on. And so the question was, do you have this in your life? Do you have this ikigai? Do you have this reason to wake up in the morning, this motivation? So participants reporting having this at the beginning of the study were more likely uh, to live longer. They had higher levels of, uh, of health, lower levels of stress. And at the end of the seven-year study, 95 of the people were alive, and 83% uh, of those uh, had not made it that long. What he doesn't say is how the age at the beginning. But anyway, it led to a longer life. So then he says, to put it another way, we don't actually want to retire and do nothing. 
We just want to do something we love. And I'm not talking about endless days of back nines fishing and sailing into the sunset. What we might want some time to do, well, we might want some time to do these things. You'd be surprised to learn how quickly the bloom can come off that type of rosy environment. And so now the author mentions four things, four things that are really helpful to continue to always be doing, continues to always be doing. One thing that he doesn't say is that, it should be a fifth one, he doesn't say it, and I'll put it as number one. That is, we should never view uh, our identity as our career, or our career as our identity. That once I stop doing this particular thing I've done for, you know, much of my life, now I'm nothing. Now I have no worth or value anymore, because I don't do that thing anymore, you know? Uh, And so that's very, very important. We should be defined by who we are primarily in Messiah, and that never indeed changes. That is always who we are, okay? Okay, now what he says, though, the first uh, category is social. Friends, peers, co-workers who brighten our days and fulfill our our social needs. May I suggest that um, uh, what he's talking here about is a communal way of life, living in community. Living in community. I know, I'm not going to take the time to read all the verses, but think about all those one another passages and the fact that we're members one of another and we're to, we're to encourage one another. We're to stimulate one another to good deeds. We're to, we're, we are to speak into each other's lives when necessary. We're maybe to offer an admonition into each other's lives. We're to uh, have fellowship with one another, share with one another. Very, very important. We do not want to be lone rangers as we age, as we get older. Therefore, we don't want to alienate everybody we know so that we end up being all by ourselves. We certainly don't want to do that. So we want to protect the relationships, indeed, that we have. Then he has another one called structure. That means, he says, the alarm clock ringing because you have a reason to get up in the morning. And the resulting satisfaction you get from whatever you're going to do that day. So, in other words, get up at a particular hour, you know, and and have that morning routine. Maybe it doesn't have to be at 5.30 anymore. I don't know, maybe. But to have a routine. And, uh, you know, to make, you know, Lord, teach me to number my days that I may present to you a heart of wisdom. Uh, Thinking, uh, being this lifelong learner, having something to do every, every day. Uh, very, very important. And then, of course, a stimulation he has. This is the third one. So social, structure, and then stimulation. Keeping our minds challenged by learning something new every day. Being that lifelong learner. And you know, there's so many opportunities for that. Uh, one can be just simply reading, reading things. Reading a book or reading something that I've, that I have no knowledge of. <laughs> you, you know, learn something new. Uh, you know, if you, uh, if you have the opportunity and the motivation, do you know at a, at a certain age you can take courses for free at Ohio State University? It's really a great thing. Or like Marcy, uh, don't take courses for free, but uh, <laughs> take many courses and earn an advanced degree. Uh, why not? Right? Why not? I, I, and, and so always learning things, right? And boy, online, there's all kinds of courses, great courses, this, that, lots of things you can, right? And then the last one, he calls it story. Story. Being a part of something bigger than ourselves by joining a group whose purpose is something you couldn't accomplish on your own. Well, welcome to Beth Messiah Congregation. Uh, right? But being active and not seeing yourself as now it's time for me to do nothing, but being active. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir because uh, if it wasn't for uh, uh, people uh, who were, I'll say, over 50 years old, there would be no Beth Messiah congregation, period, the end. There's no point. You know, so I know I'm preaching to the choir. But in our, in our self, the way we think of it, may we not think of it as... Um, this is getting old, or this is getting uh, boring, or this is... But to say, wow, I am a vital part of this. And every single one of us is a vital part of this. Yes, we need younger people, but it does, that, does not, uh, that, that is not the end of the story. Of course we need younger people. But we must 
maintain all the, you know, the people that we have and to continue to grow. And again, uh, you know, we love the sukkah, right? Even though it's a flimsy uh, structure, even though it's something that, that reminds us of uh, the, uh, the tenuous nature of life, uh, we love it. We love being in it. Uh, we love worshiping in it. Uh, we love eating in it. Uh, sometimes we love sleeping in it. We love maybe just sitting there on a nice day, uh, sitting in it. We love that. We love our sukkah. And so we love, uh, uh, the, you know, those uh, in our uh, congregation, all of us, who kind of resemble the flimsy structure, <laughs> you know? Uh, and so may we be like Paul and saying, no matter what our situation may be, you know, just uh, ending with the words that he says here, they're always so, uh, I think, encouraging. He says here in chapter... For uh, when he says, um, we're afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not despairing, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, you know? And so may we feel that same way about our own lives. May we always recognize that in the eyes of God, we are vital every moment of every day of our lives. And uh, may uh, we cultivate the uh, the renewal uh, every day, uh, you know, of uh, who we are, of who we really are, and um, uh, and so may we not uh, despise what you know our older age or feel bad about it, but may we embrace it and say that you know is producing a weight of glory uh, that gives me uh, really an abundant life. Uh, an abundant life in the Lord, and uh, may God use us. Might, may God use. May God use all of us mightily every day of our lives. Let's pray. Uh, Lord uh, God, uh, thank you, uh, Lord, that you created us as physical people, and uh, uh, God, uh, thank you uh, that we never uh, run out of hope. We never run out of uh, meaning, usefulness. Uh, or anything like that at all. God, and I, so I pray that we might be invigorated uh, and that we might um, uh, not uh, simply look at what is temporal and visible, but what is invisible and the great present and future uh, that we indeed have uh, in you. Uh, Lord, thank you that even though we look at the sukkah, yes, as that uh, structure that reminds us of our trust uh, in you and that our, you know, our future and our life is in you. Thank you that uh, you even call yourself the sukkah of glory. And uh, uh, Lord, that uh, you uh, yourself are the uh, shelter uh, uh, for us. And so may we stay enveloped in your sukkah, Lord. And um, uh, may you give us encouragement and joy every day of our lives. And we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen.